when you leave. So praise God. You ready for the word? All right. Well, let's get into it. We're in 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to pick up with verse 8 and finish the end of the chapter by grace and faith today. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And let's read. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I just like that verse right there. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you're enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Although the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that's blessed. We're going to open our heart and receive it by faith, be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, again, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, thank you that they walk away exactly with what they need. And only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 8. Start unpacking this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Say, God is able. able. And this word ables in the the Greek tense, present tense, it's God is continually able. There's never a time that God's not able to provide for you in any area that you have need of. And so God is able. Well, if he's able, then why isn't it all manifesting? Why, why is this verse not fully manifest in our life? Because if it's just God's grace, raise your hand if you think it's God's will that we all prosper. Raise your other hand if you think it's God's will that we all be healed. Raise another foot if, we're, if, if God's will that we be delivered and, and have peace and all the blessings. See, that's God's will for all of that. But then why are, because if it's just God's grace, we'd all equally be, be experiencing all that. But, but we're not. Look around, we're not. Because grace has to be received by faith. faith Faith is based on the revelation of the word and your appropriation of it, and we're all at different levels of it. So God is continually able. Tell someone, your problem is not not a God problem. Tell someone else, you may be the problem. Mabel, I came to church to be insulted. God's able is God's grace. Grace must be received by faith, though. He's able to make how much grace abound to you? All, all grace. We're going to find this word, this word all five times in this verse. The Greek word for all is pos, P-A-S, if you're taking notes. The Greek word all is used five times in this, this single verse. All, always, all, all, 
And the word every is the same Greek word pos. It could be all. So, so I think God's trying to get something through to you. That God's able to meet you in all areas, at all times, in anything that you need. He's ready and available. He's wanting to pour out in your life. But do you have the capacity to receive? Are you receiving? So we're going to talk about that today. This is not just financial grace. This is in context, I'm just talking about finances here, but I'm talking about God is able to cause you to abound to every good work. I don't care what you're called to. He's enabled, to, enabled you to do that. No matter how much you give out at the bottom of your giving funnel, God's ready and able to give more at the top of the giving funnel. Having all sufficiency in all things. And so always, say always. always. There's never, say never, Never a time where grace is not available to you to do what God's called you to do. So, someone in here, you're really, you're facing timidity about doing something God's called you to do because you feel you're unable. I have good news for you. You are. In yourself, you're not able. But with God, you're able. Well, when I feel able, then I'll step out. No. Step out, and, and God's able will meet your inability. I'm speaking to somebody. There's never a time where God's grace is not available to do what God's called you to do. We just need to humbly receive it and lean into that grace. Lean into grace. Having all sufficiency. Look at that word sufficiency. I love this Greek word. It means to be independent of outward circumstances. Totally independent of what's going on on the outside. And so this Greek word is, is, comes from a compound word. The first one is autos, where we get auto, which means self, and archaeo, which means to possess unfailing strength. What's this Greek word mean? It means to be self-sufficient. Well, Pastor, I didn't think of it, that we should be self-sufficient. No, what he was talking about is this sufficiency is on the inside, and it doesn't depend on anyone or anything on the outside. Now, there's times where God will have us be blessed by people on the outside. But if you were, but if no one was around you, Christian, and you were on an island and you needed to operate, God is on the inside of you and there's nothing on the outside uh, that dictates to you what God can do on the inside. And Joanne talk, talked about that. Don't define how God sees you or feels towards you or your relationship based on your circumstances. The worst barometer to determine God's feeling towards you at any time is your circumstances. How, what, what's the only safe barometer of how God feels about you? The cross of Jesus Christ. If you wonder how God feels about you, look to the cross. That's where you know he loves you and gave his son for you. So stop looking around for others to be your source. Often we're just looking for people to be our source. No, God's your source. Stop looking. He'll use people. He loves to use people. He wants to use you to bless other people. But you're not someone else's source. I'm speaking to someone that you feel obligated to be given to people and do something because if, if you don't, then what's going to happen to them? They'll be in God's hands. I'm stopping here because God's talking to someone. You're not the source. You're a channel, but you're not the source. 
Who's your source? And your source lives in you. You have an ever uh, abundant supply source that lives on the inside of you called God the Holy Spirit. So always having all sufficiency in all things. And so all, 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 all. In all things. There's never a single area of your life that God does not have grace for us to tap into. There's not a single area. I'm talking about your marriage. That seems like there's no hope. There's grace for your marriage. It seems like in my financial situation, it's dead. It's over. No, God has grace for that situation. A work situation. I have a boss. My boss is crazy. Now, if you work here, <laughs> do not go. You have grace in that area. 1 Peter 4.10 calls the grace of God the manifold grace of God. The word Manifold is the Greek word poikolos. It means multicolored, multifaceted. And so God's grace for every area of your life, there's a shade and a facet of grace to meet it. That we may have an abundance for every good work. Raise your hand if you're in line for abundance. Well, God, God, God's right there. He's ready. Are you ready? Tell someone, get ready, get ready, get ready. T.D. Jakes, got to get ready, get ready, get ready. I simply love this verse. All, say, all grace, always. abound, abound. Always. Always. always, all sufficiency, all sufficiency. in all things, all abundance, abundance. Every. every. I think God's trying to get some across. You don't have a God problem. You have a revelation problem. Sweetheart, you don't have a money problem. You have a revelation problem of who your father is. And your elder brother's a Jew. May have an abundance for every good work. What is really, what is the grace of God that's poured in our lives? Is it that we have a bigger car, a bigger house? Well, God loves, you know, God's okay that you have things. It's nice to drive a nicer thing and live in a bigger thing and jump into a, a bigger thing out behind it and get wet and, and have all those other things. But the whole thing isn't for things. It's for the kingdom to be established and us to accomplish the assignment of the Great Commission. So all this grace, he loves just Greek after Greek after Greek trying to tell you all that's available. What's it for? The funnel of good works. Every good work for the kingdom. And this is not just relegated to the work of giving, but all work God's called you to. It's interesting to note that this verse is found in the context of giving, though. Giving in faith has impact in every area of your life. This verse teaches us that anyone that desires to be generous to others, God will provide for that. If you want to be generous and have a heart to be generous, God will provide for that. If you become addicted to giving, God will support your addiction. <laughs> all, always, ever. This speaks of your all-inclusive salvation package. You ever been on a cruise? All-inclusive package? 
you hear about the couple that were on the on the cruise and 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 so they just had enough just for the ticket and they were crossing the ocean and every day they would look in at the people eating the meals and boy and they just had some crackers and cheese and so they'd go back and they'd have some crackers and cheese and so at, at the last day of the cruise they were talking to one of the guests and they're like well have you enjoyed the food on the ship and he's like no I haven't been able to afford it and he's like what are you talking about that all, all of it was part of your your ticket they could have been eating the entire time a lot of Christians are just enjoying the trip to heaven but going to heaven but they're not enjoying all the stuff that God's given you tell someone it's all inclusive there's healing there's peace there's blessing there's there's prosperity there's a eat partake Verse 9, as it is written, he has, dispersed to a, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. As it is written, he's comparing verse 9, to a connection to verse 9 to verse 8. Verse 8 was God's grace verse. This verse is our, our part, our faith verse. What are we going to do with all that grace, all that blessing? Keep it to ourselves? No, we're going to disperse, disperse. Tell someone you need to start dispersing. When you start dispersing, more starts coming. You got to make room for the blessing of God to roll in your. You're not a dead sea. You shouldn't be a dead sea where it just comes in and stays. That's where it stagnates. And so, as it is written, He has dispersed. And when He disperses, there's more given. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This is a quote from Psalms 112, verse 9. The previous verse, again, was a grace verse. This is a faith verse. He's dispersed abroad, given to the poor. We are to give gifts to the poor as God gives gifts to us without strings attached. For they have to repay. Just, you know, I'm not into loaning anything. Someone says, well, can I borrow $10, can I borrow $100? No, you can't. Now, the Lord, the Lord may oftentimes, I'll give it to you. Because what happens if they can't repay? All of a sudden, there's a, there's a, there's a debt that's owed, and there's a strained relationship, and they're going to feel guilty every time around you, and I'm, I'm going to cut that barrier totally out. So, I mean, so if I can afford it, I, if you're going to give it, I'm going to give it, then I, I can afford to lose it. But I'm not going to lose it because I'm going to sow it and God's going to cause it to come back to me. <clears throat> Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. You, gotta, you know the Lord? The Lord has, has a need. Well, how, how's the world? How's the Lord? Lord's in heaven. What need could he have? He has need here on earth. He's given man authority, and there's things that he wants and people to bless, and, and he wants it done, but he can't do it outside of man. So he needs authority. He needs to work through us, the body of Christ, and there's people that have lack that he wants to supply, but he, wants to, but he needs you, and so what do you do? If you, if you will release what he's given you in grace to start with, and you provide for that need, you lend to the Lord, and the Lord will repay. I believe he repays with interest. What do you think? <laughs> Giving to the poor should be done out of knowing that everything we have has been given to us by God and, and nothing inherently is ours anyway. You know, without God, we're all poor. 
I'm a self-made man. There was never been such a thing. You didn't birth yourself, clothe yourself, diaper yourself, educate yourself. Often those with means look at the poor and despise them and think they're better than they are. You're not better than the beggar out on that street if it wasn't for the grace of God. His righteousness endures forever. Actually, look at the word righteousness. Here this should be translated the righteous act. His righteous act. What righteous act? Giving to the poor. His righteous act will endure forever. And so even if you gave $20 to a poor person, and you got to be careful, you need to do it when the Lord leads you to do it, because oftentimes they'll spend it on drugs or alcohol, you're not helping them. I give monthly, personally, we give personally, monthly to the Springs Rescue because they're designed and they know who to help and how to help, and it's done right. Very rarely am I led to give just someone that's standing on the street corner because most of the time, either that's going to be used for addictions and I can help them. You know there's people that make very good income that after they're done, they walk across a a field and get in their car and go to their nice house. No one would ever do that. But when you give, not only will you get some, but just say you, you gave $50. He says, I'll give you $50 back. But guess what? That's just in the natural. You're going to get a reward in heaven that lasts forever. Your righteous act will endure forever. It's a memorial. Every time you give, God remembers it. It's a memorial to God. I want you to see this in Acts 10.4 when Peter's ministering to, to Cornelius. <clears throat> and this is actually an angel speaking to Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, look at verse 4. And when Cornelius observed the angel, and he was afraid, and said, What is it, Lord? So the angel said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. You know, a lot of people want to give money so that they have a memorial on earth and they're going to have the, the Smith Memorial, whatever, you know. They want their name put on that. But you know that it says there's going to be a day when the earth will be totally melted with fervent heat. And I don't care, all the memorials of man are going to be melted down. Every Hall of Fame, baseball, football, every, uh, they say, we're... We're immortalized forever in the hall of things. No, you're going to be melted down. And you won't be remembered anymore if you weren't saved. But you can have memorials forever in heaven in God. And, and, and that's what God does. with Rewards are eternal. Tell someone a reward, a reward from God is eternal. Verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you've sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God likes to supply. He supplies seed to the sower. Look at the word supplies. It's a, it's a Greek word which means to outfit the choir. To outfit the choir. Well, in the ancient Greek world, they didn't have TV and didn't have movies like that. Their, their entertainment was theatrical plays. And these theatrical plays were quite expensive to put on. They had choirs with them. They had expensive clothing. They had sets and everything else. 
quite expensive, and oftentimes a troop would run out of money, so therefore there would be no show for the upcoming city. And they're like, well, that's our entertainment. And so every city, they would uh, rich benefactors, business people would bid for the highest bidder to, to, uh, to sponsor the theatrical production. They could put their name on it and stuff. And so the, the bidding got so high that the money that was offered was way more than the troop would need. It met the need and grossly overcame it. This is the Greek word God uses for your life. But you know God's still outfitting the choir. But are you part of the choir? Are you worshiping God? Are you trusting God? So this Greek word again is he outfits the choir. And he supplies seed. Seed. The earth is run on the principle of sowing and reaping. Our spiritual relationships govern on the principle of grace and faith. Everything we receive from God is by His sheer grace. We haven't done anything for it. We weren't the initiator. We simply receive it. But the governing principle of the earth is sowing and reaping. We sow, we reap back. And so a lot of Christians think that the governing principle of the earth is grace and faith. It's not. Try that at work. Don't show up for three days and you'll find a pink slip of paper. Well, that's a pretty piece of paper. What's that? That's a saying you're fired. You didn't sow work. You didn't reap it. How about in your marriage? You want to you, you be unfaithful and you sleep around with the secretary. Your wife finds out. What have you done? Well, yeah, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. She was about to slap your righteous face. You have to sow faithfulness in that natural. You know, you tell your child, Johnny, we're going to take you to the zoo on Saturday. He's, what, all week long, he's got his toy animals out. He's excited about going to the zoo. And then on Saturday, you wake up and it's wonderful weather like this, where I'm going golfing today. You play golf, come home to a devastated little boy. And he's sniffling. He's like, Johnny, what's the matter? You said, we go, zoo. Johnny, look at daddy. Daddy's righteous. He's holy and pure. Now, you've got to sow into everything in, this, in the natural world. So how do the two intersect? God gives you grace to sow. He supplies seed to the sower. And there's some harvests in your life as a Christian that only come from sowing the grace of the things he's given you first and sowing in the natural. There's some blessings at work. There's some blessings in your marriage, some blessings with your children that only comes through sowing from his grace. I wonder why I'm not blessed. I'm a king's kid, but I'm not experiencing anything. Because guess what? You're not operating the natural realm, the principles of this natural realm. It's called sowing and reaping. He supplies seed to the sower. He supplies seed, that's grace, to the sower. And when I sow, there's a harvest. Do you know that he supplies seed to who? He doesn't supply seed to keepers. He supplies seed to sowers. And so this brings out that you can be a sower and not have any money. You can be a giver and not even have any money because it's of the heart. He supplies seed to the sower. See, the sower came first. I have a heart to sow. Just because you give doesn't make you a giver. Just because you sow doesn't make you a sower. It comes first from your heart. If you have a heart to give, God will make sure the money gets to you. And so, as you, have you ever heard that 
that he'll get the many to you if he can get the many through you? Amen. So he supplies seeds for the sower and bread for your food. Interesting. When you get seed from God, some of it is to sow into the kingdom of God and will be a harvest for someone else. But some of the seed you get is for you, for you to eat. But don't, don't eat all your seed. Tell someone, don't eat all your seed. There's a lot of Christians, all the money that they get, they spend it on themselves. No, no, there's a portion you're to sow to the kingdom, and it's for other people's needs. And God, and God has some, a, a section for you. And then when you get the harvest... Oh, I got a harvest. Oh, guess what? It's all for me. No, no, no. Make sure a part of that's going to be to sow some more. Some of it's going to be bread for food, and some of it's going to be to save. Notice, though, sowing seed is mentioned before bread for food. Look at the verse. Reread the verse. It says, "Now, now he who... Supplies bread for food and seed to the sower. Oh, no, no. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for your food. You know, a lot of what this brings out is that you first, when you give first, you give first to the Lord and then you take care of your needs. You know what a lot of Christians do? They first take care of all their needs and everything they want. And if... There's anything left, God gets the leftovers. He gets the afterthought. Oh, it's offering time. What, what do I have left on the week? Yeah, here's a couple dollars. They tip God. God will provide bread for you. He has pizza for you. I usually could put it in every sermon. <laughs> Supply and multiply. That's what God has for you. Supply and multiply. Say supply, supply. And, multiply. and multiply. The seed you kept. The seed you ate. Well, I'm not seeing any multiplying. Well, maybe you've reversed the order. Supply and multiply the seed you've sown and the increase the fruits of your righteousness. <clears throat> Notice that God multiplies seeds sown, not what's left in your bag. He blesses, he blesses the seed you sow, not the seed that's in your wallet or purse. Man can only sow in water, but God is the only one that can multiply and give an increase. The fruits. So I love this verse. Say, God, God supplies, supplies, supply, supply multiply, multiply, increase, increase fruits. fruits. Your God is an abundant God. Amen. You ever just look at nature? How many different types of flowers did he make? Different kinds of birds. And other, I don't know why he made mosquitoes. I don't understand. <laughs> it's the fall, I guess. Mosquito used to be a nice-looking animal, and then it turned into... (laughs) (coughs) 
Verse 11. So he's talking about, and this, it's sowing, 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 sowing. This verse is talking about your sowing. Look at verse, look at verse 11. While you, while you're sowing, verse 11, while you're enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving to God. Notice while you're sowing and giving, you're being enriched. You mean I'm giving away? And, and all the while, I'm being enriched by it. Mm-hmm. You, who has a garden hose? Some of you. Well, your yard may need you to get the revelation. It needs water. What's the deal? After th- thousands of years, man, that, the, the best that man can come up with is what we got. It crimps and tangles and whatever. But, you know... Once, if you can get it untangled and uncrimped, see, that's what our problem is. It's a hose problem. It's not a water source problem. It's all the crimps in, of the hose. There's a lot of crimps in our life that's keeping the supply from coming out. God just gave that to me, so. Tell someone you may be crimping things. Maybe. But, you know, if that water's coming out, guess what else is getting wet? Not just the garden, but the hose itself. There's plenty enough for you. While you're giving out, you're being watered. You're being enriched. All the while. Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Everything started from God and blesses everything and returns to God. It comes by grace and is returned in thanksgiving. Look at verse 12. For the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Look at the word administration. It's the word, Greek word diakonia, where we get deacon from, or, or deaconing, which means service. Look at the word service. Administration of service is where we get the English word liturgy from. Sacred worship. This service of sacred worship. You know, giving... When you do it in faith and love, it's sacred worship. The offering time, when I always say, let's continuing our time of worship of God by our giving. Actually, giving is sacred worship. The giving and dispensing of finances in the kingdom is a sacred ministry. The offering time is a continuation of our worship service. Our offering time is holy. And what we give Him is holy. When we give to God, we worship Him as our source. And it supplies the needs of the saints. The word supplies here is the third use of the word supply. And this supply, supply, supply. But it also abounds through the thanksgiving of many. Notice the natural giving comes back as spiritual thanksgiving. The two are connected. The natural in your life is connected to the spiritual. Do you know we wait well? I went to the worship service. No, all your life is worship to God. Washing dishes, if you do it as unto the Lord, is worship. Oh, perish the thought. (laughs) So that turns the mundane into something that has purpose. Your job that seems so mundane, if you do it as unto the Lord, becomes worship and has meaning to it. 
Verse 13, while, all this is happening while you give. While, through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the of your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. It says the proof of your ministry. Look at the word proof. It means to approve after testing. What is this verse saying? We are to worship God in tangible ways, proven ways. One way we prove our devotion to God and our worship to God is by our giving. Say, oh, I worship God. God's first in my life. Well, let's check at your checkbook. Does anybody under 30 know what a checkbook is? <laughs> check online. On your online statement, check where that's going and it proves what's first in your life. Our giving proves where our heart is. And he says the proof of this ministry of giving. <clears throat> they glorify God. Who's they? The Jews. The believing Jews. The Gentiles are giving to the believing Jews. There was a big chasm between Jew and Gentile. But all of a sudden the Gentiles are blessing the Jews back and it changes their heart to them. Like, wow, first of all, they must be really, really know God. Maybe they are saved. I thought God couldn't save those people. You know, God's going to save some people that you thought, I thought you'd be in hell for sure. You're going to be used to heaven. You're here? And they're going to say, you're here? And the Jews are going to say, wow. And it's going to soften their heart towards them. They always had a hard heart. We are to worship God in tangible ways, and the Gentiles would prove their genuine faith in Christ to the Jews by giving to them. And they would glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. In the New Testament, obedience is synonymous with faith. So giving money really is a faith issue. It's a faith issue. And if you're not, if you're not trusting God in finances, you're not going to trust Him in any other area. Because money, according to Jesus, is the least of all things. You're not faithful. Look at, look at Luke 16.10. He that is faithful in which is least, and in context he's talking about finances. He that is faithful in the least finances will be faithful also in much. And he who's unjust in the least finances is unjust in much. Luke 16.11, the next verse. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, just finances, who will commit to you the true riches? A ministry. A position of authority and leadership. How can I trust you? If, I can't, if you're not a giver, I can't trust you to have a heart of love to the people. If, you're, if your heart's not already giving to the needs of people, how can I trust you being a pastor? This is my safe zone. <clears throat> I need a bigger pulpit. Of your confession. You confess it, you profess it, but is it proven? And for your liberal sharing with them, that's the Jews and all men, verse 14. And by their prayer for you, guess what? Your giving's gonna change their heart and they're gonna start praying for you. There's been people you've had a you've had a bad relationship with someone, you've had a split. You have, you've been estranged from somebody. Someone's been, actually, they have the cause of it. They've spoken about you. 
they've done wrong to you. And what the Lord is saying to you, if you will bless them and actually give to them, God will start changing their heart. I'm speaking to someone. There's someone in this room. The Lord's saying that I want you to give to that person. I wouldn't give that person a million years. Well, God gave Jesus to you. It changed your heart. And there's someone, God, I'm not I'm talking prophetic. There's someone in this room, and, and more than one, that God's saying that He wants you to tangibly bless somebody that you're estranged with, and it will start uh, softening their heart towards you. And it will restore relationship. By their prayer for you, the Jews' prayer for you, who long for you their heart will turn out and, and actually toward, towards them. The Jewish heart that would rather, if you're on fire, they wouldn't put you out. Who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Not exceeding judgment. You're exceeding pride. No. You're exceeding grace. Gracious peop- Grace people ought to be gracious. Giving to others can change their heart towards God and you. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Because guess what? It all started with God. Giving all in Jesus. Jesus Christ is God's indescribable gift given to you when you were at your worst. When someone's at their worst, that's when they need grace the most. Indescribable gift. Giving is rooted in the person and gift of Jesus Christ. All giving comes from him and ultimately goes back to him, the source of all things. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for your grace, that your supply, your all, just just the abundance that you're able to do this. But Father, we have to receive. And Father, as a hose waters the gardens, they can be crimped. There's some crimps in your hoses, guys. And if you're willing and humble to admit, God, you're not my problem anymore. I see this verse that you are wanting to do abundantly way more than what I'm experiencing in every single area at all times, always. But obviously there's a crimp in my hose. And you want to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm open for you to share with me the truth. Where am I crimped? And you're willing to do something when he tells you what to do. If that's you and you're willing to, and you're serious with God, I want you to stand to your feet. You're going to humble yourself and say, God, I'm willing to show why am I not experiencing God, what God's able to do? Why am I not? So there's a crimp somewhere and I'm humbled enough to say, Lord, show me where it is. And when you show me, I'm willing to make the changes you're asking for me. There's a few people in this room that wants to bootleg the prayer. Part of humility, humbling, is saying, acknowledging I need, I need this. Humility is the first step. Father, I thank you for those that are standing, and Lord, I thank you, and I stand, and we all have areas that, we need, that we've crimped things that we're not fully manifesting everything you have for us. So, Father, I pray that you would show us where our hose is crimped. 
by your grace, and you share grace, and you share the truth in a way that it actually feels good and gives hope, and you're never going to humiliate. But Lord, I'm praying you right now, and some of you even know, the Holy Spirit, you know an area that's cramped. Grace to change it. You'll lean into the grace. You've got grace in every area. Grace in this area to change. Lord, I thank you for your grace that enables them to change. And then when this crimp is gone, it comes out. It's going to bless others and bless them. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. I believe the Lord showed me that there's some people in here that they hear that Jesus is the answer, but somehow or another it's not connecting. But Jesus is the answer. Just like he said, he is the light in the darkness. He makes the darkness tremble. My granddaughter was a heroin addict, and she used to call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. Grandma, I'm scared. I'd say, baby, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. And she would start to cry, and she'd say, Jesus. My granddaughter's no longer a heroin addict. She's a mighty woman of God. Jesus overcomes the darkness. Man, I mean, Jesus is our peace. This morning, as we we're in our prayer time before service, uh, one of the words was that there's going to be peace, a peace over this service today. But I feel like there's some that you can't find rest because you can't forget the past. This is what the Lord says Forget the past because my love will last. There's nothing you have done that I can't redeem. You are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Get your eyes off yourself and look to me. For my blood was shed to set you free. You're not defined by your past, but refined by my love. So believe and receive you're worthy of my love, not because of what you do, but because of what my son has done. I heard the word gold. I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. And and all of a sudden it came clear that gold is the best. You had gold and you had silver and then you had the bronze and the brass and it went down from there. Gold was the highest standard. And God says he has gold for you. He has the best for you. Some of you are settling for way too low. I'm talking about in the natural, I'm talking in the spiritual, but I'm talking actually in the natural. That you're looking at some things like, well, I can deal with this. This is good. No, no, God has the gold standard. God wants you not to settle for the least when he has the best. If that's you, you feel like, oh, that's a word for me. I want you to raise your hand. Who am I praying for? Okay. Father, I thank you that you have the best for them. You've reserved gold for them. Not brass. Not fake gold. Not silver gold the best for your children, your child because Jesus gave his best you can have it you can have it give your permission to receive it because you're wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ he died for the best receive the best receive his gold in the name of the Lord